Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we start the word. This morning, we just want to thank you, Father. Father, we just want to glorify your name, Lord. You're such an awesome God. Notwithstanding all the inclement situations all around the world, Father, you've been faithful to all of us, especially to us in this church. You have been faithful. You have come through. There are no reasons, Lord, for us to complain. You have met us exceedingly abundantly even more. We could even ask or even think. Thank you, Father, for all the praise reports that come from all around the world. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us as a church to be a blessing. Thank you. We never want to take that for granted, O Lord. I pray that we will continue to remain humble and be your servants and continue to be a blessing, O Lord, even as we have been exhorted this morning. And Lord, even now, even as we come to the ministry of the word, I pray, Father, that Lord, you would anoint us afresh once again. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, O Lord. That Lord, that you would be able to take this word and Lord, that you would, Lord, touch and impact your people and make it relevant to whatever situation that they're going through. To that end, I pray that you would bless the hearing and the speaking of your word. Animate us perfect the gifts that you have given to us from error, error and keep us on that straight and narrow path. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Check, check. Yeah. Alright, uh, so this morning we've been uh, looking at the gospel of the kingdom. The fact that thank you. Um, the fact that we are subjects of a loyal king. I mean, subjects are supposed to be loyal to a king and God is interested in making us into disciples and subjects. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So be loyal, loyal. That's the reason why, you know, it says uh, a faithful witness who can find, a faithful friend, a loyal friend who can find. Right? And uh, the, David exhorts the, one of the uh, last exhortations that he gives to his son Solomon, he says, serve the Lord of your, Lord God of your father with a loyal heart. With a loyal heart. And the word is shalom. A heart which is always at peace with him. And loyal to him is complete. Means shalom means completely. In, in, in other words, there's no division at all. Uh, completely surrendered to God's leading in your life. See, that is what we've been exhorted to and we've been continuously, constantly trying to focus our minds onto the kingdom of God and to the king. Kingdom and king. That's the bottom line, I would, I, I, I would feel, I would say, of the entire, of the entire Bible. Kingdom and king. Like yesterday, we, uh, we've been uh, in the Q&A session, I, I like what Pastor was saying. I've, I went to the Bible uh, to look for answers, but then I found that my answers in Christ. That's ultimately, he is the answer. Right. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And what we go to the Bible is to know the God of the Bible. And ultimately we see that we are a people who are kingdom people and our mindsets have to change from being 
<laughs> democracy, seconding and thirding to completely surrendering. There is no seconding. There was only two people who can second, I believe. God the Father, God the Son and the God the Holy Spirit. Second and third. And everybody else obeys. Okay. That's the focus of our lives. To be loyal subjects of the king. Why? Because we've been told in Hebrews chapter 12, if you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and let's read from verse 27 to 29. It says, Yet this, now this, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So, everything will be shaken. And therefore he says, verse 28, therefore since we are receiving a kingdom, okay, be, be cheerful little flock, for it is the father's wish to give you the kingdom. Okay. Therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us serve, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Uh, other translations will use the word, let us be thankful and serve God acceptably and reverently uh, and in godly fear, because God is a consuming fire. Yeah, he is a consuming fire. Now the point question therefore is, how do I serve him? What are the practical issues that I have to take in and take into consideration in order for me to ensure that I inherit the kingdom one and, and, and in order to do that, how do I serve God acceptably, reverently and with godly fear for which he's going to give me grace? Okay. What are the practical things that I have to take into consideration in order for me to inherit this kingdom and build my life in such a way that what is being built in my life is the kingdom of God and not anything else. We don't have to turn too far because chapter divisions have been uh, are, are, are a modern thing. Uh, if you turn to same Hebrews chapter 13 and look, let's look from verse 1 onwards and let's read from verse um, a few things which I want to uh, point out today. There were actually about 13 things if you look, look at the entire, um, entire exhortations over here, the final conclu- concluding um, arguments, if you will, of Hebrews chapter 13. You'll see all the the message kind of comes, boils down to certain practical aspects. So because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we need to have asked God for grace so that we can serve him acceptably, reverently, and in godly fear. And how do we serve him? Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. The first thing he says is, let brotherly love continue. I was looking at it and I said, what is this Lord? What, what is it? I mean, um, because we have so many um, search engines these days, I might as well use technology. And the word actually is, let Philadelphia continue. That's the word. Let Philadelphia continue. Let Philadelphia continue. That's what he's saying. In other words, if you want to really be a church which will not be shaken, one church you have to really, really become or aspire to become is like the church in Philadelphia. We'll come there before we come there. So how do we become a church? A a church which says, let Philadelphia continue. How do we become like that? How do we be a set of people where we'll have love, brotherly love continuously? It says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, if you can put it in, 
the NKJV only, okay? Because um, every other translations translation has missed something so profound. And I believe that is the game changer in that verse. First Peter chapter 1, verses 22 onwards. Hmm? 22 onwards. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now tell me, other translations will omit what? Yes, thank you. Oh, it's in your translation? Okay. <laughs> All right. Through the Spirit, they omit that. They completely remove that. NIV, NASB, ESV, every translation I've seen that has literally removed that word through the Spirit. How is it possible for us to believe God and obey the truth without the Spirit? It's impossible. Right? Okay. For the mindset of the flesh is contrary. The fleshly mind is, the carnal mind is contrary to God, will not submit to God, in, will not submit to the law of God, and indeed it cannot, and therefore who live according to the flesh cannot please God. And only those spirit, people who live according to the spirit can please God. We can only obey the truth through the spirit. It's impossible otherwise. So every exhortation in the Bible is connected. I mean, if you will, in the, in the new covenant is connected with the Holy Spirit. Every other sin that you commit will be forgiven, but not against the Holy Spirit. What's a powerful exhortation. Alright. So he says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, what do you do? In sincere love of the brethren, that is Philadelphia, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So how do you do it? Simple. First thing, Purify your souls by listening to the listening to the truth and ask God for the spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to obey the truth and what will happen, what will be the net result of that is sincere love, unfeigned love to the for the brothers. And how do we achieve this? And um, um, and, and God gives us patterns in the Bible and if you'll turn to, to Revelation chapter 3 and you'll know this, um, this uh, particular verse from chapter 3 and verse 7 onwards, it says, um, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy and he who is true. That's how he introduces himself. He introduces himself in different ways to different churches. And the way he introduces to the church in Philadelphia, he says, I am God who is holy. I am God who is true. Okay. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. I forgot to put that here. Yeah, it's there. Hebrews chapter 7. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. And then... 25. Okay. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Hmm. Interesting, right? For such a high priest was fitting. That's the, in other words, the only high priest that could fit the bill was Jesus. Okay. Who is what? First, holy. Second, who is harmless? Who is undefiled? Who is separate from sinners? And has become higher than the heavens? Who does not need daily as those High priest to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's for this for this he did once and for all when he offered up himself and therefore was twenty five was twenty five it says therefore he is also able to save us to the uttermost that is how he is he is introducing himself to the church of Philadelphia saying I am the holy God I am the true God I am separate from sinners I have the ability to sanctify you through and through and through holy and true let's go back to Revelation chapter three. And then verse 7, it says, he who has the key of David. How is he going to do that? He says, he has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and the one who 
who shuts and no one opens. He is a God who opens and who the God who shuts. What does he do? He opens opportunities for us to live the life of Christ and he shuts opportunities where we will not be able to live the life of Christ. Now, for example, um, let me give you one example. Let's say, what does it mean? What does it mean for the key of David? The key of David means Jesus Christ himself. It says in Romans chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, born of the Spirit, concerning the gospel of God, which he promised before the time began in his scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus, who was born according to the flesh as a seed of what? David. And who was Okay, declared to be the son of God with power through the resurrection of dead by the spirit of holiness. His spirit was absolutely pure, holy, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was risen from the dead. He was a man who came in the flesh and he lived an absolute holy, righteous life without sin, set apart, and that he has opened for us a new and a living way in the new covenant. The same way as Jesus overcame sin, you and I can also overcome sin in our lives. And every door which will enable us to overcome sin and be an overcomer, evil open, and every door which is not just going to be conducive for that, he will shut. Joseph opened a door. What was it? The pit was his door. For the life of Christ to be made manifest. It says he sent a man before him. <laughs> awesome. He is the God who opens doors that no man can shun and who shuts doors that no man can open. He, and he is giving that to the Philadelphia church. He says, this is how I want to introduce myself. And then he says in verse 8, I know your works. Every church, he comes and says this exhortation, and I, I know your works. You look at every church, seven churches, the first thing he says is, I know your works. He is a God who is going to recompense us according to our works. Understand that. As faith without works is dead. So as body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. And he's, he tells the uh, church at Ephesus, I know your works. But there's no love. Sardis, I know your works, but they're incomplete. I know your works, he tells uh, the Laudation church. But what are they? There's no, they're, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor you're cold. You see, every place he says, and he is a God who comes and examines our work. He wants to become, make us into a people. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. You know that verse very well. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Look at what he says. He who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. What? Zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Okay. He says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has prepared for us before the time began. So this is important for us. He is a God who examines our work. And then he comes and uh, he, uh, he kind of uh, shows their attitude. What kind of an attitude does church in Philadelphia have? He says, I know your works. See, I have said before you an open door and no one can shut. Why? You had a little strength. First thing. In other words, you were completely, totally dependent upon me. It's like that widow with two mites, right? She came and put everything that she had. And Jesus looks at her and says, boy, she put more than everybody else. And the other people come and say, God, uh, do you know this building? So many donations came. <laughs> you are saying that two mites, not even one gram of cement you can buy with those two mites. What are you talking about? And Jesus said, 
she has given her everything she gave him herself to the lord i remember i don't know which preacher it was maybe i maybe he became a prosperity preacher later on so that's the reason why i didn't remember his name but i remembered one uh, one says his uh, his, uh, his um his ex- he think that he gave us in his church okay um example that he gave in his church he says uh, the offering bag was going and this guy didn't have any money in his pocket to give to the lord but the offering bag was just coming so what did he do he went along with the offering bag and he said i'm going to give myself to god and he just con- went to the altar and he said i'm surrendering myself to god he literally is putting himself in the offering bag that's exactly what that lady did <laughs> put herself there <laughs> you see he says i know that you have little strength meaning what you have you are completely totally dependent upon me that is what church church of philadelphia they are under they realize that they are absolutely powerless to do this kind of how can brotherly love continue come on continue We have uh, discontinuous signals and continuous signals, right? In engineering, that means with, with without time. I mean, whatever time it is, you will continuously love your brother. And you to have this kind of love, you know what the uh, what the disciples say? How many times should I forgive my brother? So many times, and they say, "Lord, increase our faith." I'm totally dependent upon you, and you realize that for this kind of work, you are absolutely powerless you realize that first thing second and this and not and also that you kept my word second and third you did not what deny my name and fourth he says you kept my command to persevere in verse 10 because you kept my command to persevere he says i'm also giving an exhortation hold fast let nobody steal your crown this is church in philadelphia this is how brotherly love will continue If we want to receive a kingdom that is not going to be shaken, let your dependence completely be upon God. Ask Him the power to keep the word. So many times when we read the Bible, what do you say? What should you say? It's tough. People will say. And what should you say? It is impossible. And then you have the power of the Holy Spirit through you. As long as you say it is tough, I can do it. Impossible. completely depending upon his strength upon his word and you did not deny, deny his name and you kept my command to pursue that is church in philadelphia you see so the way we do it is this lord grant me strength lord in these last days to overlook faults what how what is it's not that it's going to be easy no way luke's gospel chapter 5 will say is it easy to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk easy to say pick up your mat and walk easy to give but l- more difficult to overlook fault and he says let brotherly love continue let brotherly love continue okay so just want to uh, i don't want to stress too much on that second let's go it's a it's let's go back to hebrews chapter 13 and let's look at the second one let brotherly love continue this i thought was something which is so powerful and important for us do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels now i was thinking about this i mean and i heard so many teachings i've listened to comment uh, read commentaries on that as well some people think it directly refers to abraham entertaining the three angels showing them hospitality hospitality etc you remember that story and it's true in one way but if you look at actually the verse very closely you know what it says 
He says, deal with xenophobia. What is it? Xenophobia. Meaning, fear of strangers. In other words, how do you deal with people who are absolutely different from you? Do not forget that. And I'm telling you honestly, in a church is comprised of people who are completely different from you. Very rarely you will find people who are absolutely as close to you in not only in DNA, but also in your mental temperament and your attitude and your and your uh, likings, etc. It says in Jeremiah chapter three. Let's let's look at some some verses for us to understand this. Jeremiah chapter three, verse fourteen onwards. It says, "Return, O backsliding children," says the Lord, "for I'm I'm married to you, and what will I do? I will take." Take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And what will I do? I will give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's what he says in 3.15. But what is he going to do? He's going to take one from a tribe and two from a city. Different, different people from different walks of life. Ours is the only church, I think, in Hyderabad, I mean, which is not predominantly guilty, right? It's interesting, though. We have different people from different walks of life. Different temperaments. And is it easy? To show hospitality continuously? They could be strange in their outward looks with educational backgrounds, with cultural backgrounds. I mean, I, I can sit with next to Pastor James. I'm so totally different from him. My goodness. You wouldn't even know. I mean, it's like entering into the Holy of Holies when I enter into, the, into his office. Okay. So it's like that. No, it's, it's, I'm so different. So different. Yet, God has brought us together. In the sovereignty. One from a tribe, two from a city. Different backgrounds. One is in literature, one is in science. <laughs> we, totally, we think totally differently. Okay. And we also have given inputs to my daughter. He said, uh, Pastor says you have to go for literature and I say you have to go for math. So, you see, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, do a melting point into Abigail now. I, 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 I like both, by the way. I like both. I like both. Uh, I like uh, literature, not because I enjoy literature, because I like drama. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is one of the, uh, really, I, I really, really like, used to like drama and I used to like dialogues and monologues and I used to really get uh, uh, fascinated with people who can just emote and speak dialogues just well, without any, without any difficulty, you know. Um, I, I did act in uh, quite a few plays when I was growing up, no? It was one of my uh, favorite uh, pastimes or art forms, if you <laughs> if you will. Okay, I, I had actually, I remember when I was growing up during my uh, youth uh, fellowship days, they gave me a 15-page monologue on Peter for one day. One day I had to do it. 15-page monologue. And I remember that I just did it just like that because I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoy literature. That's the reason why I, I, I see Shakespeare's, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Martin Brando's rendition of um, Mark Anthony. <laughs> it's super. It's super. So, so I'm talking about different kinds of people having different temperaments. And the problem is, we are not only people who are scopophobic, we are all xenophobic too. Because other people are different from us. And what are we trying to do? We are trying to make them like us. Instead of allowing them to have their own individuality and yet working with them. The church is actually full of strange people. You need to understand that. Okay. 
Understand that. Even if you are born in the same family, you can be husband, uh, you can be two brothers, but two different people. They're not the same. Okay, they can be they can be of the same parents, but so totally different from each other. I can see it in my own family. I see Abigail and Emmanuel. Abigail is one person who can sit and concentrate, and the other girl is jumping, jumping, jumping like that. It's so different. <laughs> and I had to make her sit. <laughs> you know, she's listening to it. <laughs> you know, this is so different. This church is actually full of strange people and one of the skills that we need to master is the art of building bridges and not building walls. Okay, art of building bridges and breaking walls and not building walls amongst one another. What great man Rabindranath Tagore in his great... Uh, ha, ha, ha. I'm not going to go through that. If you want, you can get the tape from uh, uh, Roshan and Tabitha's wedding. You'll know what I, what I mentioned. That, that time I mentioned that. Okay. The boundaries. It says in Ephesians, he broke the middle wall of separation and he made Jew and Gentile to one. It was absolutely an anathema to the Jewish mind. An anathema to the Jewish mind. How can the Gentile? And when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, Peter was absolutely shocked. My algorithm was, believe in the gospel, get baptized, and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is totally different. Because you know what? God was doing something. He was breaking that wall in his heart. Which it took a lot of time for him to actually break. Okay. The ability to be winsome and not compromise on your convictions. I'm telling you, this is very important. I mean, this is something God, God was speaking to me through several, several, several days, even, even as I was meditating, meditating upon this. And the one thing which I didn't want to preach from was from this. You wouldn't believe it. It was like James I and mean, Jude, right? I was uh, wanting to type, type something else and suddenly Holy Spirit said, uh, write certain things so that you can contend for the faith. Something like that happened. I didn't want to because I I knew there were certain certain things which I had to uh, really look into in my own heart. Ability to be winsome and not compromise on your convictions. No, I mean sometimes you know we know that the man after God's own heart is David. The reason why David was such a tremendous character is because he had this uncanny ability to be winsome. Remember the episode at Ziklag, right? Now, Ziklag is burned down. Everybody is frustrated. But David strengthens himself in the Lord. And he's, he's pursuing. He's, he doesn't know where to go now. And then something happens in the middle. We know the story very well. But I just want us to uh, put this into perspective. 1 Samuel chapter 30 was 11. Look at what he says. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought him to David. You see, what are they doing? Showing hospitality <laughs> to strangers. And they gave him bread and, and he ate and they let him drink water. And then, and they gave him a piece of cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. The David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am your, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago, I felt sick. And you know the story. This guy will be the game changer for them. You see, 
and you know what happens on the way they go they pursue the amalekites they overtake them and they recover all and they coming back and even as they going 200 people say we are too tired we don't want to go and then in verse 21 something interesting happens verse 21 onwards now david came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow david uh, whom they also had made stay at brook of besor so they went out to meet david and to meet the people who were with him and when david came near to the people he greeted them you see that okay they didn't support him okay then all the wicked and worthless men now think about this what is wicked mean evil worthless men just can you put 22 in niv and i'll we'll can come back to engage you again okay but all the evil men and trouble makers among david's followers okay there will be a lot of <laughs> trouble makers among david's followers now how are these trouble makers characterized you know what the word for trouble maker is excuse me belial exactly the son of sons of belial among david's followers so there are several sons of belial among david's followers too okay there are i can look at what he says and the trouble makers among david's followers let's go back to the nkjv account okay and then he says they all the wicked and worthless men those who went with david answered and said because they did not go with us we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and child that they may lead them and go away and depart get lost in other words you follows no that's what i'm saying the uncanny ability to build bridges you know what he what he does immediately the next verse verse 23 and david says my brothers you shall not do, do so with the lord uh, with what the lord has given us interesting with what the lord has given us who has preserved us and delivered us into our hand the troop that came against us for who will heed you in this matter but as as his part is is who goes with the battle so shall his part be with who stays with the supplies and they shall share alike and then you know something very interesting happens verse 25 and this it says and so it was from that day he made it a statute and ordinance for israel to this day remarkable isn't it and just imagine what those guys would have thought That's the reason why you know what he says: Do not repay evil with evil; repay evil with good, so that by doing so you will put coals of uh, this thing in him. And what is what the whole purpose of this is to win him over. The best way to defeat an enemy. क्या बात है, doctor? Look, is to make him your friend. That's it. That's how you do it. That is winsomeness. and you know something which we need to understand in these last days the church has to be a church without compromising on convictions what should we do say lord how do i build bridges i remember um, if you if you've seen that uh, the eulogy of rabbi zak on nabil qureshi's uh, when he was passed even he passed away at his funeral he preached and um, he was telling something about nabil he says uh, when when he went to malaysia there was a g- girl in the saloon from a different background she was asking about him and you know he said something about nabil he says some nabil had this uncanny ability to build bridges with other people who were so different from him is remarkable to build bridges strangers to overcome xenophobia <laughs> and this church is full of strangers by the way husband and wife in the same home can be strangers you know that they'll hide from the husband because they're xenophobic i don't know what this what this fellow will do if i tell her or him 
That's how walls are built. Walls are made. That's exactly what happened even in the most ideal of couples in the in the old covenant, Isaac and Rebecca. On wall. Strangers in the home. Instead of building bridges and becoming one. They build walls and become compartmentalized. Church is a body. <laughs> Seamless. The garment of Jesus was what? Seamless. That is the reason why Colossians uses a very interesting same term. He says, you should be knit together in love. Not stitched together. There's a lot of difference. For knitting with a lot of time and patience and effort. What's a strong garment? You know why? Because there are no seam. Otherwise you'll come apart at the Seams are your break, are your weak areas, are your weak points. The church is a body. It's not a, it's not a robot where you put, assemble all parts together. Understand that? <laughs> okay, we are organic. And what I, one thing that we need to do is overcome xenophobia. And he made it into a statute and ordinance. And then look at the next verse. This is powerful. And you know what he did? Look at the next verse. This is what he says. And now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. You see how he's building bridges? Winsomeness. With all the people who, have, who are of influence. You need to ask God for that. That is what it means to entertain strangers. Xenophobia. This, this guy is totally different from me. But how do I become organic? In that sense, how do I have that relationship with them? That we become a body and when the, each part is supplying to the other, right? That's exactly the reason why I love Paul when he says, you know what? I, I was longing to see you because I, I wanted to impart something or some, something of spiritual value to you. Not only so, that we should be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That is how he looked at it. He's not saying, I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. You better ex- accept me into your church. I'm going to teach you and I'm going to go. No, 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 no. That is winsomeness. See, I want to know from you. I want to learn from you. See, I mean, think about it, no? Think about the guys whom David won to the Lord. I want to show you a few people. <laughs> we turn to turn to Second uh, Samuel chapter twenty-three, verse thirty-seven to thirty-nine. These are the mighty men of David. Zelek the who? It is not Moabite, by the way. Moabite, at least you can say, oh, he is from his clan. Great grandmother's clan. No, Zelek the Ammonite, Naharai the Birothite, the armor bearer of Joab, the son of Zeruah. These are all Jewish people. Ira the Ithrite, Garab the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite. Oh, that's interesting. Uriah the Hittite, and then another guy called Ittai the Gittite. Ittai the Gittite. Think about that guy. Ittai the Gittite, the guy is from Gath, he's from the enemy territory, he was won over to the Lord by David. That's remarkable. And I'm going to show it to you something very interesting. If you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 18 onwards. 
was 18 onwards. Then all his servants passed before him. This is when David is fleeing Absalom, okay? And all the Kerathites and the Pelathites, these are his personal bodyguards. And all the, oh, the Gittites, how many? 600 men who had followed him from Gath. That means this guy went there and he had 600 souls. He won 600 souls to the Lord. Passed over before the king. Think about that. That is what I call building bridges. Winsomeness. He did not become like them. They became like him. Uriah did not become a Hittite. He did not continue as a Hittite. He said, Yahweh is my, Uriah means what? Yahweh is my, Elias is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I think Psalm 27, he sang much better than David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I? And what Hittite means? Fear. The guy who was given unto fear, now after seeing the life of David, he said, you know what? I want to follow this God. Maybe it was his baptism name. I don't know. Or his circumcision name. I don't know. Remember, whenever you are circumcised, you are given a name. Abraham, when he was circumcised, from Abraham he was converted to Abraham. On the eighth day, you see that Jesus is given the name on the day of the circumcision. John the Baptist was given his name on the day of circumcision. Day of your circumcision. I believe Uriah was given his name. Uriah, the Lord is my light. He became circumcised. In other words, in other words, spiritually speaking, he became an Israelite and a follower of, follower of the God of David. No, just not David. That is how David built bridges. It's one thing to make your enemy your friend. Rather, uh, to win over an enemy. And there is another thing that he will be ready to give his life for you. That's a different thing altogether. Look at what it says, the Ittai, the Gittite. Look at what it says, the next verse. Passed over him. And the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, why are you so, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. You are a foreigner, Xeno. You are a stranger, Baba. Ittai, the Gittai, Hushai, the Archite, all the ites, he has different ites in his kingdom. He is, I'm telling you, that is a picture of the church under the, under, under the headship of David. That is Philadelphia, my dear brothers. And sister, of course. Understand that. And he says, you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came to me only yesterday. Should I make you? Wander up and down with us today. Since I since I go, I know I know not where. Return and take your brother and back. Mercy and truth be with you. Okay. What does what does Itai say? This is this is what I call winsomeness. What what did Itai see in David, man? You see. But Itai answered and said, "As the no no no, he didn't say as David lives, as the Lord lives, as the word for Lord is as Yahweh, as Jehovah lives. He's taking the covenant name of God. I'm not like Naaman the Syrian who's going to go back and serve his king. You are my king now. Who's my king? Jehovah is my king. As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or in life, even there also your servant will be. This is like the, there's a powerful, powerful statement. And so David said to Ittai, go and cross over. Then Ittai and the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. You see that? They all crossed over along with David. It's like, you know, going outside the camp bearing his reproach. A picture of this, if you will. Spurgeon uh, preached a sermon called Loyal to the Core on Ittai the Gittite. Okay? Ittai the Gittite, Loyal to the Core. This is what he has to say. 
powerful statements from Spurgeon. Listen very careful. Carefully, okay. I'm afraid that friends quite so faithful as Ittai are as scarce as two moons in the sky at once. It's very interesting, no? <laughs> two moons in the sky at once, no? You will never see that, okay? No, no two moons in the sky. And in fact, you can travel to the edge of the world before you find one. I think, however, that one reason why faithful Ittai have become so scarce Maybe because large-hearted Davids are so rare. What a statement. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. What a statement. I think, however, the reason why faithful Ittai have become so scarce, maybe because large-hearted Davids who have a winsome nature, who have overcome xenophobia in their lives are so rare. And they were not fearful of strangers. And they will not forget to entertain them. Understand that, my dear brothers. So what do we need to do? Ask God. Ask God to make us, no? This guy, this kind of a guy, to be winsome. Without, without compromising on your convictions. One Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 onwards. Look at what it says, 19 to 23. 19 to 23. For though I am free from all men, I am free. You know what? It it I was free. Do whatever you want. You know what he says? No. Wherever you go, I will go. It's like Ruth, no? Wherever you go, I will go. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will. Where you bear Death should not. Except death, nothing is going to make us go apart. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a waterfall, a servant to all. That I might. Ah, the whole purpose is to win them over. That is the reason why he says, I am under obligation. To whom? To the Jews and the barbarians. <laughs> like that. To the wise and to the unwise. To the Jews and the barbarians, I am under. I am under obligation to everybody. Don't owe any man anything except the debt of love. I am obligated. It says, I am under obligation. I am a debtor. That's his attitude. I think he understood the gospel more than anybody else. I mean, think about it. If a Pharisee has come through, he has come through boss. Hmm? And to the Jews, I became as a Jew. That I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law. That I might win those who are under the law. And then, the whole attitude is one. I want to be a people who is going to win the other person over. To those who are without the law as without the law. Not being without the law toward God, but under the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Right? That I might win those who are without the law. And what is common between all these verses? The one word is W-I-N. Winsome. To the weak, I became as a weak. That I might, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. That's my attitude. What is awesome, isn't it? My whole attitude is to my 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 desire is to save. I don't want to, I'll become weak. Um, I remember Brother Zakpur in one of his I think in his one of his addresses he says, One thing that you never tell your child, okay, you messed up, it's okay. We can fix it. 
I like that. That means, in other words, go and sit with her or sit with him and build it together. That's difficult. My whole attitude these days is to make my, my daughter love math. My, my wife looks at my attitude and she says, I don't know by the end of the day, uh, will she love it or not? Uh, see, this is the whole thing, you know. What do you want? <laughs> we want? We want to become weak so that we can win them over. So I said, Lord, by the time this, this finishes, she, when, they, when, they, when she looks at numbers, she should get excited. Then I have one hour over. <laughs> Think about it. If everybody thinks like that, when she looks at the Bible, he has to be, he should get excited. By the time this is over. The whole purpose is to whet your appetite and stake you to Christ. And then you have a relationship with him. Notwithstanding what your background may be. We are all people strange to each other, aren't we? Strangers. But God brought us together. So don't forget to entertain strangers. You know why? Unwittingly, you will be entertaining what? Now, why think about it. When you think angels, don't think about cherubim and seraphim coming to your home. He could be a seraphim and cherubim in on fire for God. What does cherubim mean? Seraphim means. What does seraph means? The one who is on fire. That's exactly what happened to that Shunammite woman. Build a home for this guy. And what did she invite? Fire into her home. Man who was on fire for God. Those people can bring certain things into your life, some dimension of God that you will never ever have seen. I remember um, uh, C.S. Lewis in his book Four Loves, he talks about this. He says, I had four friends. Okay, I don't, for, let's say John, let's say uh, Peter, uh, Sammy, uh, Dr. Richard and Raj. Four friends. Okay. One of them Passed away. Okay. Before the other. After we reached 70. Okay. So fine. So that's where you're all safe now. So three score and ten, ten years. Okay. After we received 70. One of them passed away. And then, and then, then, um, he says, C.S. Lewis says, I thought I could have more of Peter and more of, uh, more of, uh, Sammy and more of, uh, Dr. Richard when Raj is not there in the picture. And then I realized actually, that actually had less of Peter, even though I spent more time with Peter. I had less of Sammy, even though I spent more time with Sammy, and I had less of Dr. Richard, that I'm, that even though I spent more time with Dr. Richard, simply because there was one dimensionality of Dr. Richard, Sammy, and Peter, only which could Raj could bring out. Only Raj could bring that out. So when Raj is around, Dr. Richard will suddenly bring one dimensionality of Christ, which will, you know, you see what I'm talking about. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. They could be strange saints, but they are saints. One dimensionality of Dr. Richard, which only Raj can bring out and nobody else. And if he's gone, that is the reason why people, when they leave the church, they do more harm to the church. You know, they don't realize that. When they just leave, because that one dimensionality of Christ is gone. You've harmed. You've, you've robbed the church of what we could experience of Christ in you. Because it's the Christ in you which is the hope of glory. And people don't realize this. Strangers, which entertain what? Angels. The messenger. That's what stranger means. Messenger. 
And sometimes strangers can bring fired up messengers which can convict you. Even though you are a senior believer. You know that? I'll show you one stranger who brought fired up message. Second Samuel chapter 11. You'll know the stranger. Very well, right? Don't you? Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 10 onwards. So when they told David saying Uriah did not go down to his house. Okay. Who's this? Stranger. Right? Now he becomes the angel. David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go to your house? And look at what the angel brings. The message which is like a fire. Which is like one piercing arrow into his into his soul, into his heart. And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are, in, are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and your, as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. This is a stranger. This is a stranger. Who teaches David? The angel. You entertain strangers, you will get these kinds of messages. That's what it means. Entertaining means not constantly having in your house. I'm talking about building bridges across so that we can enjoy Christ more. You understand that? We could not do this in our own self. It's impossible. That is the reason why he says, First Peter chapter 4, please. If you turn to First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 onwards. But the end of all things is at hand. Why? Because we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And ESV will use the word because of your prayers. And he says, above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. That is the reason why it says, a guy who overcomes Sin is noble. Overlooks a fault. Will cover a multitude of sins. And he says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And then he looks at the broader picture. As each one has what? Received a gift. Everybody has received a gift. Minister to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, how should he minister? Let him do so with the ability or with the strength that God supplies so that in all things, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. So understand, God is saying to all of us, break those walls and build bridges. As much as you can, you start. Do that. And ask God for wisdom. So then, how come your master eats with uh, tax collectors and sinners? And you know what Jesus says? Those who are uh, well don't need a physician. But those who are sick, the son of man has come to search and seek that which was lost. From the Lodabars of the world. Remember Lodabar? Not Lodabar means pastureless wasteland. From where, from there, you have who? Mephibosheth coming, to whom the, show, the king shows kindness for the sake of Jonathan, his friend. From the Lodabar, from Lodabars. 
friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified. It says in Luke's gospel chapter 7 verse 34 and 35. Okay. Luke's gospel chapter 7 verse 34 and 35. It says, the son of man has come eating and drinking and you say, look, a glutton and a winebiber and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her. He became a friend of all. The friend of sinners is what he called himself. He allowed him to be called himself, um, him to be called as. Alright? Because this is important because remember the first, I think two apostles had a confrontation. Rather one confronted the other because of this problem. You see? Instead of building bridges, you're breaking and building walls. And this is what happens in Galatians chapter 2 verse 11. 11 to 16. Look at what he says. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the... What was he doing? He was fellowshipping. Eating means fellowshipping. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision party. My goodness, look at the pride. (laughs) This is... This is really, and this is so subtle, right? And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now what happens? This guy, uh, Paul says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as a Jews? In other words, he's saying, we are all one. Just because you are a Jew, he doesn't mean that you are special. And because they are Gentiles, it doesn't mean that they are rejected. All of them have to put their faith in Jesus Christ to be reconciled to God. No other way. No other way. So turn with me to James, please. James chapter 2. Look at this principle. James chapter 2. I wrote it here. I mean, I didn't write it here. So, James chapter 2. Verse 1. Onwards. Yeah. My brothers, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man who with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man with filthy clothes, and what do you say to the filthy man? And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here. And say to the poor, you stand here. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts, evil intentions? Judges with evil intentions. He says, no. All of us, when it comes to the body of Christ, we are all one and we need each other. So never forget to entertain strangers because they will teach some things that you don't even know and and that would really convict you as well. So first thing, we looked at, let brotherly love continue. Second, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Let's see that uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 13, yes. And then, uh, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And verse 3, third one, he says, remember the prisoners as if changed with them, those who are mistreated since you, you yourself are a body. You see that again? The same picture coming. Why? Because we are building a we are we are uh, we are uh, inheriting the kingdom which cannot be shaken, and the only thing that will not be shaken is the church of God, which will endure forever. 
church of God. It's like the ark, a type of it, if you will. Okay. It says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who, who mis- mistreated you since yourself are chained in the body. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Persecution, you may not go through. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. For, yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The only devotion that we get every day in the morning is that introduction to the persecution, persecuted church. And what does it say? If you, if you, if you turn to, um, um, second Timothy chapter one, verse 15 onwards, there's a one, one character that Paul mentions very interestingly. Okay. Look at what it says. Verse 15. This, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenus. Phygelus and Hermogenus. Uh, I think, um, his name. Alistair Big, Alistair Big, uh, preached a word. What will your legacy be? Okay. Will you be like Philegus and Hermogenus? It will be mentioned in eternity. They forsook Paul. Legacy of Philegus and Hermogenus. Legacy of Demas. He left Paul. What will your legacy be? In eternity, what will your legacy be? And then he says, verse 16, the Lord grant mercy. Can we look to verse 16 and 17 together? This is such a powerful, potent verse, two verses, two verses full of, it's loaded, okay. The Lord grant mercy. Now think about this. The Lord grant mercy to the individual. No. Ah, to the household of Onesiphorus. For he, isn't it, isn't that interesting? One guy in the family, he often refreshed me. In other words, the entire household was involved in ministering to Paul. You know why? Because Onesiphorus led in the home. We'll come to that later on. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And of course, we, we we don't have to. We, it may not be possible for us to uh, to meet people from different different backgrounds who are uh, who are imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about that. But we could still refresh them in prayer and ask God for a bird to pray for them who are going through intense trial. It's very interesting. Let me tell you. Recently, David Wood's channel they banned him for seven days on YouTube. It's over two, three weeks back. Now, why they banned him? Not because of the videos that he produces against Islam. There was one video he produced which is talking about persecution of Christians in different, different countries. And they banned that video as hate speech. It was, it was open doors, even he was actually tabulating the open doors, open doors uh, report as to what kind of persecution is happening in different, different countries and different, including our own country. Okay. He was tabulating and he was just, he put that on YouTube and that became hate speech. They asked him to re- remove that. 
And he was he was banned from YouTube for seven days. And here, of course, thank God he had close to now half a million, you know, he has half a million subscribers, by the way. He has recently reached 500,000 subscribers for his YouTube channel. Praise God for that. And you know what happened? Everybody complained to YouTube. How can you ban this guy? And what was his, what is hate speech in this? And you will see that it's going to be increasingly hostile towards Christians in the days to come. It's not going to be easy. Yesterday, Dr. D- Dr. Richard sent us that video of John MacArthur. See that? Increasingly hostile. Those guys don't have a problem. To, uh, they don't have a problem when these people come on the streets without masks and not, not having social distancing and, uh, and looting. But they have a problem in people coming and worshipping God. Hostile. Hostile. And you'll have a thousand dollar fine per day in California? Think about that. And look at this guy. The Lord grant him mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. I'm telling you honestly, if you have this kind of an attitude, your household will be blessed. The Lord will grant mercy to your household. And he was not ashamed of my of my shame. But how did he? He did say, "Okay, Lord, please pray for Apostle Paul." Look at the next verse, verse seventeen. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out. How? Very zealously, and found me. In other words, he didn't stop till he found me. That's the attitude he's saying. Zealously. He did not stop until he found me. Prison to prison, dungeon to dungeon. Where is Paul? Where is Paul? Where is Paul? Where is Paul? Can you believe that? This kind of an attitude here. I'm sure his entire household was supporting him in this kind of a ministry. This was called Onesiphorus ministry. The legacy this man would have left. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and then he found me. And then you know what? Paul blesses him. Look at the next verse. The Lord grant him that he may find mercy from the Lord in which day? In that day. You won't find mercy from the Lord in that day? He says, if you are ashamed to me on this earth, I will also be ashamed to confess you with my father. In the, in, 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 in the, when, when you stand before him in judgment seat. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. This is Onesiphorus ministry. He did not write one letter. But you know what he took care of? He took care of the man of God who would bring what? This entire doctrine to the church. Let us look at all these three verses together if you don't mind please. I love 16, 17 and 18. This is what God is talking about. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, don't, ashamed me. don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. But endure hardship as discipline, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Understand this, Timothy. There is going to be persecution in the last days. The whole idea is, Lord... Will we be honest for us? And you know what God is saying? The Lord grant mercy to the household of honest for us. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very, very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. What is gonna, God, what is God, God, God gonna show him? Mercy. You know why? Because of this attitude towards the apostle. 
Matthew chapter 25. You know this verse very well. Hmm? Verse 32 onwards. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep and the goats. <laughs> okay. And then and then he will set the sheep on his right hand and uh, but the kings on the left. And the king will say on the right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the... Why? Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, kingdom prepared for you. The kind of people, Onesiphorus, we will never name our children Onesiphorus, for sure. Paul, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says, for I was hungry. For who was hungry? I was hungry. That's exactly the reason why he tells Paul. Paul, why are you persecuting? Me, 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 me. Not my church, me. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a xenophobe. (laughs) And you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, prison and you came to me. And then he, then they will say, then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And he says, or when, etc. was 40, the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, in as much as you did, to one of the least of these. You know why the least of these? Who will search for Apostle Paul like that? Everybody forsook him. This guy zealously searched for Paul till he found him. That is the reason why, you know what he tells? Increase in your love for us, he says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Increase your love, in your love for us, those who have ministered the gospel to you. These are people who are eternal, who have eternity in their minds. You see, Paul is very important. But those who put Paul down through the rope and who held the rope so that he will not die are also important. Because he is a bearer of the word of God. And if these people mess up, he's gone. And the church will be robbed of treasure. You see, this is so important. That's the reason we have to protect those people who minister to the word, minister the word to us. So important. Protect them. Have this attitude. We'll come to that later. Assuredly, the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So three things. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13 now. First things we looked at. Let Philadelphia continue. How will it continue? Be do not forget to entertain strangers, for by do, do, uh, so doing you have unwittingly entertained strangers. We understood, understood that. Verse 3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourself are in the body also. Fourth, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. So if you have to rephrase this, marriage is honorable. Marriage and the bed of marriage are undefiled and is honorable among all. But fornicators or pornographers, the original Greek, 
and adulterers. That's the right word. Okay. But pornographers and adulterers, God will judge. Since you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what should you do? Keep your marriage pure. In other words, fulfill God's purpose for marriage in your life. And if you think it's too difficult, ask God for something else. You see, there's one purpose. There are two principles in marriage. One for the boy and one for the girl. What is for the boy? Matthew chapter 19. For the man, not boy. Boy and girl, man and woman. No, boys don't get married, by the way. Please, men. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, etc., etc., etc. And now when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is not childish. That is the reason why the first exhortation is, ah, when you are entering into marriage, do it not inadvisedly, but reverently and with fear. Is a final exhortation to the the bride and the groom before they enter into the covenant. Are you ready? Okay, good. Then you are ready. Okay. <laughs> so you need to understand the standard, Baba. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Why? The two laws for marriage. One for the man and one for the woman. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 onwards. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? So this by by making this statement, God is putting who's putting? God. No, because Jesus, okay. God is putting his approval that Genesis was written by him. Understand? Especially the first three chapters. Contrary to these polemics who come again, uh, who come and say, oh, all this is all kalpana kadali. Kalpana kadali. This is all, kalpana means not kalpana. Kalpana means all, these are all dreams. These are all stories. No, 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 they are not. And he says, at the beginning, he made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, man shall, everybody say, men say, we shall, we shall leave. Who? Father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What is that? For men, leave and cleave and become one. We know this, that so many times we heard this. That's so one thing for the men. You have to leave. And all the girls will be getting, see, still you are attached to your mother. They will start uh, thinking about it. This message was for you only. Okay. I'm going to balance now. Okay. I'll balance the equation. Remember, remember when it, I used to hate chemistry for this reason. Because we have to always balance equations. And the left and right. The atoms here have to become equal to atoms here. Oh, such trouble I had with chemistry. I hated it. Anyways. Psalm 45. Verse 10. Now this is for the... Ah, oh daughter... For me, my sister. <laughs> Listen, oh daughters, consider and incline your ear. Everybody, incline your ear. Okay. What should you do? Forget. A oh, man should leave. What you should do? Oh, forget. Which is difficult.
okay, I want to do this. Okay, let me do something. Let me just call my mother, okay? We'll just think, what, what, is, what, she, what does she have to say about this? Forget, Mike. Forget your own people also and your father's house. Marchipo nana. Delete. So that, then you know what will happen? Your king, your Purushottamudu will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Abba. Gunda jari nandarki. See? Man has to leave. Woman has to forget. And you husbands don't become so Mike Challenge. She will say, I forgot the address. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot the address. This is my address, she will say, if she's a godly woman. Okay. You know why? All because both of you are conscious of one one thing. What is that? Since we are receiving a Ah, kingdom that cannot be shaken. In all this is in the light of that eternity. That is the reason why John Piper has a fantastic statement. This light and momentary, not affliction, marriage. Tongue in cheek. I was stunned when I read that statement. I said, yeah, this is interesting. Light and momentary marriage. It's true. Ultimately, we are reflecting something which is divine. We are receiving a kingdom. And what is the whole purpose of marriage? Sanctification. Say that everybody. Sanctification is the purpose. Because two strangers are there. Xenophobes. They don't want to share their secrets. And what does scripture say? You should be what? Then they were what? Naked. And they were not ashamed. That means there was no walls between them. Absolutely open and transparent with one another. In other words, they were giving themselves, you know what, I am willing to be vulnerable in this relationship. My wife will be, <laughs> hello honey, hi. <laughs> see, that is the reason why I didn't go to the scripture. You see, I have my reasons, you see. Every man has to prophesy to the measure of faith that he has. But... Um, you know, it's interesting. Every time I was trying to write something else, I was going only towards this. I don't know why. I know now I know why. You see. So, why in a marriage is a model? What is a model? Husband is a head. If you don't do First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. I'm just reminding you of these things. Okay, we know these things very well. But understand the purpose. See, don't just get married because I have to get married now. My biological clock is ticking. The whole purpose of marriage and kingdom is different. That is the reason the fundamental purpose, a fundamental clause is if he is an unbeliever, don't get yoked to a donkey. Don't get yoked. For all the life, he will make you a donkey. You, he, you will not convert him to be a... Because donkeys are not redeemable. You know that, right? 1 hmm? Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. 
Now I praise you. Don't become like Solomon. I will build bridges. He didn't bring bridges. Those fellows broke every wall of holiness in his life. And he became a total compromiser. It says, when he became old, they turned his heart away from following the Lord. And he did not wholeheartedly follow God as his father David did. Don't make national integration your cause in your marriage. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen in IIT. What will happen in your marriage? Nonsense. Think about that. Hall 4 we had. Hall 4. Gulti Club. Bengali Club. Malu Club. Sambar Club. That is Tamil Club. And of course we have the North Indian Club. That's unbelievable how we just gravitate towards our language people. All caste barriers will go, will go that time. No? Even the Telugu speaking Muslims will become one with the Telugus. I had, it happened. No? That kind of integration happens. Very integrated, very, very nice integration. Okay, so, but now I, I praise you, brother, that, that you remember these things and then I want you to know, verse 3, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man. Everybody said the head of woman is? Ah, the head of woman is who? Abraham listened to his wife. God asked him to listen. You know, that is what, that is like, you know, one preacher says it's like Sirshasanam. You know what Sirshasanam is? Okay, so for, for those people who do not know Sirshasanam, it's like a yoga. It's one, one, one posture in yoga where the head is down and the legs are up. You are laughing. Okay. Sirshasanam, head is down, legs are up. Now, it is healthy if you do Sirshasanam for 5 minutes. Oh, the blood has to circulate into my brain and I should become active. My concentration levels will increase, etc, etc, etc. Whatever reasons you have, uh, other than religious and occultic reasons. You have health reasons, you are health conscious people. It's like doing Sirshasanam. How many times you can do Sirshasanam? How long will you do Sirshasanam? It is healthy if you do five, five, five minutes in a day. But the problem is, in many marriages, the husbands are doing Sirsasanam. It is healthy if you listen to wife only once. Throw out the bond woman. God, what should I do? Did you ask me? When you had this problem with Hagar and your, and your, and your, and, uh, and your wife, Sarah, whom did you listen to? I listen to Sarah. Okay. How did you have Ishmael? Up by listening to Sarah. Okay. Now, <laughs> why are you coming to me? Because you created a problem by listening to Sarah. No, listen to her, what she has to do. Throw that fellow out. Healthy. Well, the problem is, everybody, what should I do, Nana? Should we go to church on time? Huh? Should we give this one to the church? Who's le- Who's making those decisions in the home? Think about that, my dear brothers. Husbands doing Sir Sashanam, that's exactly how it is. Because they're not hits. Because they don't have their own strong convictions. Marriage is honorable in all. And everybody has to fulfill his purpose. And let me tell you, you we men, 
whether you like it or not, are called to lead and make the spiritual decisions in our home. And if you fulfill God's decision, that is what you were made for. My God, that was a user's manual. That was a manufacturer's not user's manual, manufacturer's manual. This is what you were made for. You were made to make spiritual decisions and to wash your home by the washing of water by the word of God and to sanctify your wife and to be that spiritual head, that person who's going to be the person who's going to minister to your home. The head. You cannot have two two eyes, I mean two pairs of eyes in the head. That, that, that's the reason why you have division. Means what? Two. One person has one vision, the other person has another vision and both are working in two different tangents. And what is happening? Look at what it says. I mean I'll show you some certain things which are a little painful for all of us but it is good to be hurt and not to be harmed later on. Right? Timothy, uh, Titus chapter 2. Look at what it says. Titus chapter 2. First, first let us go to husbands, okay? Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 onwards. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 onwards. <laughs> Wives, uh, submit to your own husbands as, the, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife and also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body, okay? Therefore, just as church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in every everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her. And then, that he might sanctify and cleanse her and with the washing of water by the word. So what is the whole purpose of marriage, I said? Sanctification. And how does husband sanctify his wife? Being By being winsome, by the way. Understand that? Don't say, I am the head. When you have proven yourself to be absolute. The other way. I don't want to use words now. You see, think about that. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. That is the purpose of marriage. To be the head and to be the person who loves the word of God. And whenever he is ministering to this to his wife and you're having issues, bring the word, no arguments. After that, we can all agree on the word, right? The problem is you don't know your word. Or you don't live the word if you don't if you know the word. The head. The head is important. Titus chapter two. For the women now. Look at this. This is powerful. Okay, this admonition is 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 for both. Titus chapter two, verse three onwards. <clears throat> the older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. No, many people say no. The admonition to love is or exhortation to love is only for the husband. No, is also for the wife. Because sometimes she will she'll become to love she will begin to love her children more than her husband. Look at what it says. The women should love their husbands. Say that first husband. Say that ah first husbands over there. If you're repeating all the girls, okay, the only one sister over here. To love their children. Second, what is that? To love their children. Third, to be discreet, to be chaste, and to be what? Homemakers, boy. This is only for Titus. For Christians, Cretans, because those are liars, right? No, 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 this is for everybody. 
homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. In other words, the wives have an incredible responsibility to prove to their behavior that the word that is being preached will not become to to, to, to disreputation, to disrepute, will not be brought to disrepute. You have an incredible responsibility. Understand this. This is this is what has happened. Marriage is honorable among all. It is not a joke, my dear brothers. Marriage is a huge, tremendous responsibility because literally what you are doing, you are literally creating a small church in your own home. You cannot, you will, you will not, you will not take your, <coughs> excuse me, your money or your possessions or whatever it is, but definitely you have the opportunity to take your, to win your children and take them with you to heaven, right? Those are the people you can win. And he who wins souls is wise. Understand this. Head. Headship. Understand headship. This has got nothing to do with equality. What does God made a woman to be? To be the help meet. And if she functions in that category, in, in, the, in, the, in that, in that uh, office, if you will, you know, she's exactly functioning according to pattern and she will be the most efficient Efficient. It is talking about efficiency. Otherwise, you'll be wasting time because we are running two different races and we are not having agreement. Understand that? So, but how does how do husbands again? Let's come back to the husbands. First Peter chapter three verse seven. First Peter chapter three verse seven. Hmm? Husbands likewise dwell with them with. Understanding. The word is gnosis. According to knowledge. Meaning, do your homework. Understand your mood swings of your of your wife. How to speak to her and to be winsome. It's a very intelligent thing. You, you need to understand. You should be wise. As serpent and harmless as dove. Even in your own home. Because it's the whole ob- objective is to win the other person over. No! Oh, you got very good words. Yeah, I've used it very well. That time I used to win you over, now I'm winning you over, over, over and over. You have to win them over. No. How to win them over? Not force them over. To win them over. That is difficult. That is the reason why marriage is D-E-A-T-H. Spelling? Spell that? Pronounce that? Uh, what is it? Thank you. Death. <laughs> Sammy says, if this be the way with a man and his wife, it is better not to get married. And Jesus will not disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> Understand that. Understand that. Headship is important. Who is the head in your home? And he says, giving honor to the wife. Honor. Don't forget to become chivalrous, right? Sorry. Ah, okay, okay. Don't be like that at home. Ah, I'm speaking all this. See again, um, my wife is going to look at me. You know, she's going to bring this back. I'm sure, for sure. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. The whole purpose is to win her over. You see, to win her over, to honor them, as 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 to a as to the weaker vessel, and as being 
heirs together of the grace of life. These are potent statements. P-O-R-T-E-N-T. Potent. That your prayers may not be hindered. That means when two come together and you agree, a husband and a wife in absolute agreement can literally make the powers of darkness run for their life. If they agree. And that is the reason why enemy knows it and he attacks the marriages. You know that? Why? And why during this pandemic everything has been exposed? Simply because of this. He understands that. That is the reason why uh, in Malachi, Malachi he says, you come and weep and pour, and pour out your tears before my altar and you, and you fill my altar with your tears and you say, why are you not hearing me? And he says, God says, because I was a witness between you and the wife of your youth and your garments are, you have garments of violence. I know how you deal with the wife of your youth. You've dealt treacherously. Notwithstanding all the comments on YouTube. And I'm sure people will start sending comments. But it's a fact. Why all this? Because we are what? Inheriting a kingdom that cannot be. See, if we have that, the, you say, the struggles or the, uh, what is that word? Mm, the, first Peter, sorry, Romans chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, please. Oh. 8, 8, verse 17 and 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Together. And if heirs, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that he may not, that we may also be glorified together with him. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The sufferings. Understand that? Marriage is honorable among all. So keep it pure. In other words, a bunch of, we we are living in a generation which has been baptized with sexuality all around. Keep your mind pure. Be absolutely ruthless in this area. Matthew chapter 5, please, if you will. Put it here. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 onwards. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already, what? Committed adultery with her in her heart. And then, if your right eye therefore causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Say, Lord, as young men, young women, whatever it is, whichever, now, now, no, there's no difference. Everybody's addicted now to nonsense. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 3 onwards. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 onwards. <clears throat> For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. What is the will of God? Your sanctification. That you 
keep your that you abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should possess how to, uh, how sh- should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor see when 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 you dress when you walk when you talk the way you carry yourself it has to be honorable i'm talking to both men and women the kind of conversations that you have you should be respectful you should, when people when younger sisters will look at an older sister in christ you should say boy what attitude she has got the way she speaks honorable when when younger brothers look at look at an older brother in christ man look at the way he treats women how respectful and honorable he is he's not flippant is conscious about it because we are living in a day and age where everything goes all boundaries are taken off and there's only one visible sign in the whole world it's a church of the living god who's upholding the standards of god and who are living it in the power of the holy spirit in the power of the holy spirit full of grace and truth that each of you should know how to possess in other words you have to know your own weaknesses my dear brothers and abstain from it and ask god flee youthfulness and pursue faith hope love etc etc and righteousness with all those who call upon god from a pure heart from a pure heart because he is pure you also should be pure everyone who has this hope will cleanse himself because as he is pure you also should be pure pure means have no divided loyalties with anybody warning which i got it from pastor vijay james no he came to the the uh, the grace home that was several years back when he was here with us no this one verse which stuck to me before this is the last warning i know i'm sure you know this verse very well proverbs chapter 22 verse 14 proverbs chapter 22 verse 14 the mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit he who is abhorred by the lord will fall into it what a warning put it in an iv a little more scary the mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit he who is under the lord's wrath will fall into it 1 corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 onwards 1 corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 onwards do you not know that the unrighteous will not what ah because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken that's the whole idea here i'm pointing this out because of that central message of hebrews do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither pornographers that is a word for fornicators by the way nor the pornographers nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of god and the and the comforting side next verse and such were some of you but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were just washed sanctified justified in the name of our lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god all things are lawful for me etc actually you can put uh, le- uh, 10 and 11 together but anyway so it's okay you understand that 
Okay. And such were some of you. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Therefore, deal with this and say, Lord, grant me the grace to be pure in this, in this last days. And God gives you the grace. It's not, it is not something which is, 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 is offering on your, uh, offering for, uh, offering you which is impossible. Absolutely possible. Absolutely. And think about that one day, like, you know, that satisfaction that we can have, that from morning till evening we have not sent. Kya baat hai. And we can sleep peacefully. That one day, long for that day and make it several days. Amen. Next one. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Two more and we will stop, okay? Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such as things that you have. In other words, if you have more, give it away. Understand? For he himself has said, I will never leave you, not forsake you. The reason why people hoard is because they're scared. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 26. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 26. Look at what it says. <laughs> the people will curse him who withholds grain. This is NIV? NKJ, can, can you put NIV maybe? Maybe it's very interesting. I don't know if it... Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, people curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who's willing to sell it at zero price, actually, for, for the word. Huh? Just give it off. Sell it. Give. Cast your bread on many waters. Give. And it shall be given to you. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 and 2 onwards. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, excuse, uh, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 1 onwards. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. And Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. And go on. Yet have brethren lest... Excuse me. Is it 8? Sorry. Their extreme poverty led them to abundance of giving. Eight, yeah, sorry, eight. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Verse one and two. Moreover, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Kya baat hai? And then, what is this next verse? For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You see, the blessing of giving, it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Practice this. Deal. The best way to deal with covetousness is to give, not hoarding. We sang that. When we have come to the end of our hoarded resources. I like that song. <laughs> I was thinking, boy, isn't it true? We, when we hoard certain things, we will lose everything. And we have come to the, hoard, the end of our hoarded resources. Our father's full giving has only begun. It's only begun. It is when Abraham was empty, zero, 
He had no ability to make, to bring forth a son. God started something afresh in his life. And when he did not withhold that son, God blessed him even more. Don't hold. Don't hold your gifts. Be willing to be vulnerable even in your giving. Understand that. It's a principle. 69, Luke's Gospel. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous man. That's exactly what David did. Gave all the spoil. What was he doing? He is making for himself friends by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And then, go on. 11, 11, till 13. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much and who is, in, who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. And therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the trust of the true riches? To your, to your trust, the true riches. And then, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. He will either love the, he will hate the one and love the other. Or else you will be loyal to the one and be, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So how do you make God, uh, sorry, you serve God and make mammon your servant? You've been exhorted to several times. So God, Make me a giver. More than what? And see, everybody has to be willing, no? It is not according to what one does not have, but according to what one does have. And the gift is accepted. If there be first a willing mind. That's the principle. There's no law here. No legality. That is of the devil. Freely, from your heart, no compulsion at all. Finally, for the day, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 to 9. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of of their conduct. And then, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And then he says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. One thing he says, guard the doctrine, the treasure of the doctrine that has been given to you. And don't be carried away with strange doctrines. You see, Um, in the in the in the story of Absalom and um, and David, Absalom is uh, chasing. I mean, David is uh, fleeing Jerusalem. He's going to exile. In in some 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 in a sense, yes, he is. He's leaving Jerusalem, and he has several people who are making choices. Okay, they're showing their loyalties in different ways. You have Ziba who is showing his loyalty. Okay, had ulterior motives. Okay, and you have Mephibosheth who is showing his loyalty. And then you have Itai the Gittite who is showing his loyalty. And you can actually you can do a complete study on it. Okay, Itai the Gittite. And you have uh, and you have uh, uh, the 
Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming to that. Don't go ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you have you have uh, Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, who said, "I want to come and follow you." And uh, David says, "Send, take the ark back," because he is a true king. People who are uh, who are occupying the throne, they are not the true king. Don't bring him out of Jerusalem. He is the king. He is the true king. I mean, actually, uh, Warren Wearsby in a study talks about three kings. There was King David, God the king, and King Absalom, who was a temporary king. Okay, and he's uprooted. And the one, one guy who accepts the sovereignty of God is, is, is established. And, and David says something very interesting. He says, if God shows favor, favor towards me, he will bring me back. I don't want to occupy this throne if this is God's, if this is not God's will. If he's punishing me, and if he's uh, chastising me, let it be done. And he asks Abiathar and Zadok to go back. And then when one other guy called Hushai the Archite comes and he puts all sackcloth and uh, dust on his face, on his head, and when does he come? It's very interesting. When does that guy enter into the scene? It's remarkable. Okay, if you want to make a play, a perfect screenplay. You should see the screenplay. Entry into a Jerusalem, exit out of Jerusalem. It's fantastic. You write the screenplay, you can make a movie. Okay, we'll make a movie later on with our children. Look at what he says. If we turn to Second uh, Samuel chapter 15, uh, verse uh, 30 onwards. Hmm? 30 onwards. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives, okay, and wept as he went up, and he had his head covered and went barefoot, and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. And then what happens? Then someone told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators of Absalom, with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. He, may, he makes a prayer and somebody enters into the scene. As what? As an answer to the prayer. Now who comes? Now it happened when he had come to the top of the mountain where God is supposed to be worshipped. There was Hushai the Archite. This is remarkable. This is what I talk about. Sovereignty of God. And this is, I mean, God, if he has to write a screenplay, who can be better? No? Steven Spielberg also will not be better. By the way, Steven Spielberg has no original screenplays. He has only adapted screenplays. Okay? That is just for your information. Free of cost. There was Hushai the Archite among to, among them who came to meet him with his rope torn and dust on his head. Now this is something very interesting. Look at the next verse. David said to him, if you go with me, you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now be your servant, then you may what? Defeat the council of Ahithophel for me. Just keep that in mind. Defeat the council of Ahithophel. Now this is interesting. What does Ahithophel mean? Tophel or Tafel means foolishness. Ahithophel means my brother is fool. My brother is foolish, foolishness. My brother is folly. That's a very strange name to give to a man who is very intelligent, isn't it? I want to show you something, a word study. Very interesting. Tophel. Job chapter 6 verse 6. Can flavorless food, what is that? Can flavorless food be eaten with salt? No, 
I want to ask you for a guess. Tafel means foolishness, okay? Or folly. In this particular sentence, can you tell me what is the word which is rendered as folly or tafel? Excuse me? Flavorless food. Thank you very much. Okay. Flavorless food is teaching. What is tafel? It is teaching without salt. And what does salt stand for? Let your words be seasoned with salt and stands for grace. Any teaching which is wide of the grace of God is tafel. And what is Hushai the archite supposed to do? He has to defeat that council. Because you have in the last days people who use the grace of God as a license to what? Sin. You know, one of the most incredible, what do you call, brainstorming verses that I really read. I mean, it's like a, it's like a light bulb which came to my mind, okay? Remember, several times when pastor was preaching, adultery happens in two ways. When you forsake the doctrine of God and forsake Him and become a friend of the world, right? You become the friend of the world. When you, you become a friend of the world, what does James call you? Adulteresses and adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses. So there's a there's a doctrine which says, okay, you can be a friend of the world. What is it making you? It is making you to commit adultery with God. Okay, and then something else interesting, isn't it? There's another doctrine which is called the doctrine of the law. If you're married to the law, you're not married to. Ah, yeah, you are not married to Christ. In other words, if you are connected with the law, you are also being a what? Adulterer. I hope you remember that. You know, when I read that, my goodness, everything in my mind just fell into place. Because that is what is in the last days. You have one set of people taking towards the law and one set of people going towards uh, towards license and both are void of grace. Both are tasteless. Truth without grace is tasteless. And you enjoy the world without the grace of God. I mean, you will just just be miserable. And the most miserable set of people are believers who are in the world. Because they cannot enjoy the world. Can flavorless food be eaten with salt? I know what he's saying. Hushai. There will be strange doctrines in these last days. Fight every doctrine. Which is void of the grace of God. Grace of God makes you overcome sin. Grace of God does not lead you back to the law. There is only one law for the Christian. What is the law? It is a law of love. The law of love. Otherwise it's foolishness. Okay, another word. Lamentations chapter 2, verse 14. Lamentations chapter 2, verse 14. Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. Now tell me, what is the word for tafel? False. <laughs> exactly. What have they done? They have not uncovered your iniquity. In other words, they have not released you from captivity. They have made you into more slaves of sin or more slaves to the law but have envisioned for you false prophecies and what? Delusions. In other words, every 
teaching which will not uncover what? Iniquity. What is iniquity? The reason for your sin. It's only doing what? Tooth malish. Is putting everything under the what? Carpet. Brushing everything under the carpet. Every doctrine, it says, okay, it's okay. No. What is it doing? It's leading you to what? Captivity. Instead of releasing you from captivity, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That is the reason why I love 617. What is 617? Dr. Luke will know it by this time. Romans chapter 6 verse 17. Thank you. (laughs) Romans chapter 6 verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. So every doctrine which will make you captive to sin and not release you from the clutches of sin, which will not uncover the iniquity in your life, rather put a covering on it, is tafel. And what is Hushai supposed to do? Defeat it in the name of Jesus. That is the reason I casting down every argument, every imagination, every pretense and bringing it to the captivity of Jesus Christ. That is tafel. Ezekiel chapter 13 verse 10. Now, look at this. Because indeed, this is the prophets, the false prophets. Because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying, peace, when there is no peace, and one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Now tell me, what is the word which is translated as, rendered as uh, tafel? Untempered. Untempered. It's come, in other words, they'll just put, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a brick wall. It's not even a stone. It's not even a stone. It's not a stone wall. Forget. It's not even a brick wall. It is a wall of sand. And they put what? Nice, more tempered motor on it. And it looks very good from the outside. The rains come. The floods come. It's gone. It will not test that. Uh, it's not, it will not, it will not test the, 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 the king, yeah, it will not stand the test of time. Yeah, it will not stand the test of time. Thank you, Peter. It will not stand the test of time because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If you build your home on wood, hay, stone and uh, gold, silver and precious stones, wood, hay and stubble and gold, silver and precious stones, that day will reveal what kind of a house you built. Gold, silver and precious stones or wood, hay and stubble. Untempered motor. Any doctrine which will which will just only do outward whitewash, reject it in the name of Jesus, which will not go deep. Several other ways. It's all untempered motor. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, the whole thing is untempered motor, untempered motor, untempered motor. The word is tafel. It's teaching. It's a counsel which is foolish. What is it against in the new covenant? First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is what? A foolishness. That is what they are against. It is a cross of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are against. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And every doctrine, every lie, which will not put cross at the center, we have to what? Defeat it. Hushai, the archite has to do it. Defeat Ahitophel. The council of Ahitophel. But it looks very fantastic, isn't it? And the way he says it, no, it says, okay, take 12,000 men and finish him off. What is the whole purpose of Ahitophel's doctrine? To finish off the life of Christ inside of you. That's the whole purpose. And what does, what does uh, Husha do? He wants to protect Christ inside of you. He wants to build walls so that the life of Christ will be protected inside of you. Understand this, my brothers, in these last days. You know why? Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So five things we looked at today. Let's look at that from, from Hebrews chapter 13. He'll stop. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain Xenos. <laughs> Don't deal with xenophobia in your lives. Okay. And then third, remember the prisoners. Fourth, marriage is honorable. Actually, we looked at six. Sixth, deal with covetousness. Six or five. And then seven. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the good. In other words, protect the doctrine that has been given to you. And how do you do it? Finally, verse 17, and we'll stop. 17, obey those who have rule over you. And be submissive, for they watch for your souls as to those who must give an account. And let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable with you. You know why? We are Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yeah. If I have to give a title, it will be shaken, not stirred. I don't want to say that. <laughs> Dangerous title, no? But maybe you should. I don't, I don't. We'll, come, we'll come to that later. But remember this. Remember this, because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the that's the reason why all this. Because that day will expose every lie. Let us be prepared now. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. That you are a good God. You want us because you love us. If you don't have your word, we'll be deceiving ourselves a lot, thinking that we are right and okay when not, not everything is okay in our lives. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law and grant us the grace to willingly submit to it. Knowing that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. For it is your good pleasure. It is your, it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, little flock. Therefore, hold on and do not disobey His commandment to perceive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. 
We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.